Just as men and women have distinct functions, Jew and Gentile have distinct functions in the body. And so my relationship as a Messianic Jew or a Jewish believer to the, the Gentile body of believers worldwide is distinct identity and yet shared faith that leads to a unity in, in the spirit. Welcome to A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. I'm your co-host, Carly Berna. And I'm Ezra Benjamin. We're a Jew and a Gentile who both believe in Jesus, believe that there's value in looking at history, as well as today's world in the headlines through both a Jewish and a Christian lens. If you're listening to us right now, we're also on YouTube this season. So um, if you're watching there, like us and subscribe. We're trying to get more people to um, align with caring deeply about Israel and the Jewish people. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the term messianic. And you know, Ezra, it's interesting. I was talking to someone recently who asked me, you know, where do you work? I work at Jewish Voice. What's Jewish Voice? Well, it's a Messianic Jewish organization. What's that? It's just this complexity mm-hmm. of explaining that to someone, even a, a well-read Christian. Sure. Um, so we're going to be talking about that today. Uh, but before we do that, we want to let you know about an opportunity that you can partner with us to reach some of the most remote Jewish people in the world in Ethiopia, which is a country that we've been serving for um, decades. Right, Uh, over 20 years. Yeah, and in return, uh, we'll send you some of our Lost Tribes coffee, um, which Ezra gives his personal stamp of approval. It gets the two thumbs up, and I drink a lot of coffee, so I have something to say about it, and it's delicious. It's fresh. The beans are from Ethiopia, roasted right here in our hometown of Phoenix, AZ. We want to get that to you as a thank you for partnering with us as we stand with and meet the needs of Jewish communities around the world in Jesus' name. Yeah, and you can get more details about that on our website, ajewandagentiledisgust.org. You can get that coffee to your door as often as you'd like. Uh, And also, if you stay tuned to the end of this podcast, we'll give you a chance to get that coffee for free. Uh, We're doing a monthly giveaway uh, each month. So let's discuss. Good. Well, Carly, I'm I'm kind of an insider. I identify uh, in many circles as a Messianic Jew. And by many circles, I mean when I p- feel like that term is going to be understood or it's not going to freak people out. More on that in a moment. That's why we're calling the episode Making Messianic Less Messy, because uh, it can be messy for, for some groups if it's misunderstood or misinterpreted. But as an outsider, as, as a Gentile Christian who doesn't, of course, identify as a Messianic Jew, what does the term mean to you? What's the whole idea? What's this about? Yeah, I would say before I worked at Jewish Voice, I had never even heard of the term Mm. Messianic Jew. Mm -hmm. So if you would have said that to me, I would have assumed it was someone who was Jewish, basically, and I wouldn't have tied the Messianic part to Jesus. Maybe that was just my own, you know, being naive. But um, now working here, I think even my definition, you'll probably pick apart, I guess. Um, We'll wait and see. Yeah. Go for it. Which I would say a Messianic Jew is someone who is Jewish— but who believes that Jesus is their Messiah. Um, Most of the ones who I see identify as a Messianic Jew also follow some of the uh, traditions and observances from the, you know, the Jewish history and context, whether it's celebrating the feasts or, you know, practicing the Sabbath, those types of things. Sure. Um, So I guess that's my definition. Yeah, not bad. I think we can start with that. There's a lot to work with there, and I won't pick it apart. I'll just maybe tweak it a little bit. So what is Messianic Judaism, or who is a Messianic Jew? Um, As you said, it's, it's a Jewish person, meaning they have a Jewish parent or grandparent. 
I suppose also it could mean somebody who converted to rabbinic Judaism and then uh, discovered uh, that Jesus is the Messiah. But for now, let's stick with kind of the easier, the less messy, messy topic of somebody who's the descendant of a Jewish person, have a Jewish parent or two or a Jewish grandparent or two. And that person in the course of their own life and faith journey comes to discover or comes to believe and accept that Jesus... Yeshua in Hebrew is in fact the promised Messiah of Israel and of course the Savior of, of all mankind. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you know, John 3.16 we know in the New Testament, uh, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son, namely Jesus, Yeshua, so that anyone who believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. So a Messianic Jew is somebody who is in a way embracing that they are Jewish as the descendant ethnically uh, of, of Jewish men and women or, or Jewish parent or grandparent and believes that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah and that these two things, here's maybe the most important part, are not in conflict with one another. So I guess the distinction I want to make here is there's people who may say, and this term was used a lot more maybe a century ago than it is now, a Hebrew Christian. And what that person's saying is, I, I come from a Jewish background, and now I'm a Christian. Now, because of my faith in Jesus, I'm, I'm part of this other religious system. Uh, that's fine for them to identify that way. The difference with a Messianic Jewish man or woman, somebody who says, I'm a Messianic Jew or a Jewish believer, is to say, yes, I absolutely believe in Jesus. I have no reconciliation as a sinful man or woman with God apart from him, through his blood, through his sacrifice, through faith in him. And I'm continuing to uh, acknowledge and my life reflects my own Jewish identity and Jewish heritage that's not at odds with faith in Jesus. It's actually fulfilled and completed mm -hmm. through faith in him. So Messianic Judaism is the idea that the Messiahship of Jesus was what Moses saw and what the prophets pointed to and was fulfilled in the person, in the God-man, if you will, of Jesus uh, so two, would you say that Messianic yeah. Judaism is a term that someone claims for themselves? So like if I know someone who's Jewish, who right. has a Jewish background, but is a quote unquote Christian, they might not see themselves as a Messianic Jew. So is it like sure. you know, a term yeah. you apply to yourself? It's a great question. Um, I know a lot of people who are very comfortable identifying as Jewish believers, right? right? Jewish background, they identify as Jewish, as a believer in Jesus. And when you say, are you Messianic? They shy away from that. Well, why are they shying away from that? Couple reasons. One is it can be a little bit messy even for a Jewish believer. We'll unpack that in a moment. But the other reason is that uh, similar, similar to kind of the denominations in the church, a lot of people equate Messianic Judaism with attending as your kind of weekly expression of worship or your local faith community, a Messianic Jewish congregation. And so uh, a Jewish man or woman who's a believer in Jesus who goes to, you know, First Baptist Church or such and such Assembly of God or a non-denominational megachurch somewhere in the country may not identify as a Messianic Jew because they don't worship at a Messianic Jewish congregation but their belief uh, in Jesus as the Messiah and their continual identification as Jewish uh, would be identical to a Messianic Jew. So sometimes we t use the term in terms of where people worship and what faith community they call home. Sometimes we use the term to, to identify a heritage or a Jewish identity and a faith, uh, and some people are more comfortable using it than others. So it sounds like you're saying Messianic Judaism is not a denomination, and if that's the case, 
if someone asked you what your denomination is, what would you say it is? Right. It's a great question. And if, if our listeners Google Messianic Judaism, uh, you're going to find a lot of things, and some of them are pretty messy. Maybe don't watch all the YouTubes. Uh, more on that maybe in another episode. But what you'll find, uh, I'll say, unfortunately, to, to, to put a value judgment on it, Carly, uh, is that Jewish sources that explain or define Messianic Judaism say this is a form of Christianity that Jewish people who become Christians use to try to continue to identify as Jewish. So I'm, in a way, presenting the counter-argument here. Uh, is it a denomination? Well, the, the Jewish community would say these are people who used to be Jewish, who converted to Christianity, and what they mean by that is you can't be Jewish and believe in Jesus. We talk about that in other episodes. Please listen. Uh, so therefore, if you accept Jesus, you're leaving your Jewish heritage and your Jewish identity behind, and you're becoming a Christian. Therefore, Messianic Judaism is just another denomination in Christianity. I would challenge that. Why I would challenge that is the very nature of calling myself a Messianic Jew says Jesus wasn't the God of the Christians who showed up 2,000 years ago and invented another religion. Jesus was the Messiah that Moses and the prophets foresaw who came and lived and died and rose again exactly the way the prophets said that he would hundreds of years before it happened. Mm -hmm. And so if those things are true and the resurrection of Jesus from the dead confirms his Messiahship, confirms that he's everything that he told the disciples and told his followers that he says he was and is, and if he's still alive as a Jewish man in heaven, in a resurrected body, at the right hand of the Father and coming again, then all of those things mean that I didn't convert to any other religion. I accepted the one that Moses told me to listen to, uh, you know, in his instructions to Israel. There's a prophet coming after me who's greater than me. Listen to him. And the one that Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Zechariah and Daniel, and we could go on and on and on, mm -hmm. saw coming in a day that was beyond their own lifetime. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's embracing a Jewish identity. Now, the, the question is, how does that fit with Christianity, right? Maybe that's the next question. Okay, if it's not a denomination, but it's a form of Judaism, and I'm continuing to live as a Jewish man with a Jewish identity, uh, how does that relate to the Christian world? The relationship is that same faith in Jesus, right? And Paul talks about that in the terms of, you know, he's speaking to, to a predominantly Gentile audience as the, as the New Testament progresses, as first century belief in Jesus uh, progresses, who's starting to turn back to the Jewish leadership, the Jewish apostleship, if you will, or headship out of Jerusalem, going, wait a minute, the majority of us are now not Jewish, so what do we have to do with the, what, what do we have in common with these, these Jewish believers in Jesus who are maintaining an identity that we can't relate to? Mm -hmm. And Paul's very clear. He says, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile, and then he goes on to say, male or female, but the context of that is in the sense of our righteous standing before God and our need to, uh, to, to find forgiveness and reconciliation with the Father through faith in Jesus and through the blood of the sacrifice of Jesus, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The Jewish people had the law and we broke every commandment. And the Gentiles were apart from the law and apart from the knowledge of God separated from him in that apartness. So we both need the Lord. And that's the context of there's no difference. But there's no difference between male or female. Well, wait a minute. Women have babies and men don't. So there is clearly a difference. I'm not talking about gender roles. We don't have to get into that. But just the, 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 the physical makeup of the two things Paul's comparing, the two entities, is different. And so their function 
in life and even in the body of believers is a bit different. And that's what he's saying there in the sense of righteous standing before God, the need for forgiveness and reconciliation, zero difference Jew and Gentile. But yet, just as men and women have distinct functions, Jew and Gentile have distinct functions in the body. And so my relationship as a Messianic Jew or a Jewish believer to the, the, the Christian church, if you will, or we'll call it the Gentile body of believers worldwide, is distinct identity and yet shared faith that leads to a unity in the, in the spirit. Is one better or one worse? Absolutely not. Is one preferred by God and one less preferred by God? Absolutely not. So we have this perfect unity in the faith, or at least we should be pursuing it. That's part of what we're doing in this podcast. And yet there's distinct identity and distinct roles. Is it a denomination of Christianity? No, it isn't. Is the Messianic Jewish community part of what we can call the ecclesia, to use the word in the New Testament, the overall body of believers worldwide? Totally. Mm-hmm. You know, many people who have some idea of Messianic Judaism think that it kind of came out of the Jesus movement. Right. Is that where Messianic Judaism started? Or if we had to think about, you know, who was the first Messianic Jew, how far back would that go? Good. So I think here, Carly, we have to separate the term from from the essence, Mm -hmm. if you will, or the term from the concept. The term Messianic Judaism was not widely used really until the 70s. Just like you said, Jesus movement happens, right? There's revival in the 1940s and 50s in America and in Canada, and then there's worldwide revival in the 60s that interestingly, more on this in our other shows, our other episodes, coincides with the reunification, the retaking of Jerusalem. Uh, from Jordanian hands in 1967, the reestablishment of Jewish control over Jerusalem for the first time in two millennia. And as that's happening, somehow in the providence of God, men and women, Jewish and Gentile, are, are rapidly in incredible ways Uh, Some of our parents in the Messianic Jewish world have that testimony. Mine don't, but friends of mine, you know, have parents who came to faith in the late 60s, who came to faith in the early 70s. And these men and women looked around and said, wait a minute, we're we're Jewish. We totally believe Jesus is the Messiah, but that doesn't mean we're we're un-Jewish or we left our Jewish identity. We need to express that as believers, because as we read the scriptures, it seems like that was the plan all along. And so I would say late 60s, early 70s, you have this term start to emerge called Messianic Jewish. And what it means is Jewish men and women who believe in the Messiahship of Jesus. Now, the term emerged really during that, during that era, kind of mid-later 20th century. But the essence of it, you said, who was the first Messianic Jew? I would say it was Peter. And, you know, it could have been any of the disciples, but, but why him? Because we have this confession you know, Jesus says, who do men say that I am? Ah, oh, you're a prophet, you're a teacher, you're a good man. Uh, you know, some say Elijah. And then he turns to them and gets real personal and says, but who do you say that I am? Mm-hmm. And Peter, in this moment of bold faith, exclaims, you know, it says in the English in, in the New Testament, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Probably what he said in Aramaic is you're the Mashiach, you're the Messiah, you're the one that our forefathers told us was coming, mm-hmm. and you're Ben Elohim, the son of the living God. So Peter makes this declaration, I know who you are, you're the Messiah. To me, he's the first Messianic Jew, Mm -hmm. though he probably would never have used that term. I was going to say, if you asked Peter, are you a Messianic Jew, would he self-proclaim, yes, I'm a Messianic Jew, if he understood how we use it now? And that's where I think we have to rewind and say, what was happening when Jesus walked on earth and ministered and died and rose again and went to be with the Father. What was the context of this faith that was spreading throughout the known world? These were Jewish men and women 
who would have said and borne testimony to their neighbor, you know, proclaiming the gospel, what did that look like then? It was, I found the Messiah. And, well, are you still Jew? Of course I'm Jewish. How would I not be? This is Jesus born in Israel. We're all Israelis living in, you know, the, the under Roman occupation, of course, but if you will, this, this nation of Israel, the people of Israel living in the promised land at that time who followed and watched Jesus and saw him do everything the prophets said he was going to do and then walk out of a grave conquering death. And they said, we found the Messiah. And this was the great, you know, the, the Evangelion in Greek, which means the gospel, was we found the Messiah. Mm -hmm. He lived according to the scriptures and the prophets. He died for our sins. He rose again according to the scriptures. We saw him go up to be with the Father, and hundreds of people witnessed a resurrected Jesus of Nazareth walking around in a body for weeks after it happened. So that was, that, that was the nature of things. It wasn't, we, we found Jesus the Christian and became followers of his religion. Of course not. The, the idea, I think, what I want to challenge our audience to think about is the idea that Jesus, faith in Jesus, would have been associated with a religious system other than Judaism was probably inconceivable to, to the first followers of Jesus, to those Jewish men and women throughout the known world. Mm -hmm. You know, we think of the story of Pentecost, right? People come and hear the proclamation of the gospel, and these are Jewish people throughout the diaspora, the scattering of Jewish people outside Israel, they carry that message back to wherever they're from, and it was inconceivable to them that this would now become some other religion not rooted in Israel. I think Paul deals with that a lot in Romans 11. He's saying, don't forget the root of this olive tree, Gentiles, that you as wild branches have been grafted into is Israel. There is no other faith other than in the God of Israel, and the way that we have a relationship with him is through his son, the Messiah. Mm -hmm. So even Peter might have thought that Messianic Judaism was somewhat messy as we're, you know, talking about this title. Sure, sure. Creating, a, you know, a, a, a system or how, yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about. You know, if I, could, if I could show our audience kind of the head explosion emoticon, that's what's happening in my head right now. It's a great question. Like what, what would the first Jewish men and women who, who called themselves followers of the Messiah think about a day in the future when the community of themselves, of, of Jewish believers, and by the way, in every century, under different names, under different terms, there's been a remnant of Jewish believers mm -hmm. in the church, alongside the church, sometimes persecuted by the church, sadly. But what would they have thought about a day in the future like we're living in now, where this community of Jewish believers is struggling to maintain a Jewish identity, living outside Israel with a predominantly Gentile body of believers in the Jewish Messiah who goes, I don't know how to relate to Jewish believers. Yeah. Right, it's yeah. sort of like it's, it turns it on its head. Yeah. Double head explosion emoticon. You know, before I even worked at Jewish Voice and someone would ask me, you know, what is Messianic Judaism? I really would have no idea. So it would definitely seem messy to me because I had one friend who was a Christian. She went to a, a, a Jewish, a Messianic Jewish uh, congregation, but I didn't really understand. I was like, why is this Christian, you know, yeah. going to this Jewish thing? What, right. You know, it just, it, I didn't understand it at all, nor did I have any desire to. Now, though, that I am, you know, in the, working at Jewish Voice and in the Messianic Jewish world, there's still pieces of it that seem messy to me. Sure. One of them being, you know, there's just such variety in the way that a Messianic Jew practices. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I see some that are, Jewish, 
but then they're going to a Christian church, but then they're wearing the the kippah, and then the others yeah. who are, you know, blowing the shofar, going to a congregation, you know, wearing the tallit, like the, you know, it's just such such a wide variety. I think it it just seems like isn't there some consistency across all of it? Why is it so you know sporadic? Yeah, good question. Is there a ton of variety in Jewish practice in different degrees of still what we could say observing the Torah, observing the commandments that God gave to Israel through Moses as believers in Jesus? Do some people keep kosher in their diet and some don't as believers? Do some really observe the Shabbat, the Sabbath on Friday night and Saturday, others not so much? Sure, you have that. And is it messy in terms of kind of understanding Messianic Judaism or the Jewish believing community as a whole? Totally. But let me put it back on you. You know, this is a very, this is a very Jewish dialogue. Let me answer your question with a question. Yeah. Does the variety of denominations in the Christian church discredit the church as a whole because it's difficult for us to put labels on followers of Jesus in the church that are accurate to all, uh, all points on that spectrum? And I think the answer is no. But then the second question is, well, then how, what does unite it? What makes it legitimate? Mm -hmm. And I would say, again, here, for the Jewish-believing community, for the Messianic Jewish community, the thing that, that legitimizes this group of people, despite differences in practice, differences in theology, differences in degrees of Jewish observance versus participation in the Christian world, the thing that unifies us is the same for the Messianic community as the church. It's that faith in the Messiahship of Jesus, mm -hmm. that he is who he says he is. We believe there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. I'm pulling on language from Acts there. Uh, but, but that's the thing that unites us. Same among the denominations of the church, right? When things get tough and it really boils down to it, whether you wear you know, uh, Presbyterian or Episcopal garments in your worship or you don't, whether you, know, you do no work on Sunday like Chick-fil-A or whether you say, you know, uh, whatever, you know, we're done with that now, it's an old religious system, whatever your denominational practice, the unifying factor is that faith in Jesus. Yeah. So same in the Messianic community. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. There's such variety in, in the Christian world, right. you know, from liturgy to no liturgy to worship. Sure. So um, it's just, you know, originally you don't think, okay, Christianity compared to Messianic Judaism, they have that same variety. You'd think they'd all practice the same, but, right. you know, there's that same But people are people, Variation. Right? Yeah. yeah, and enter personality and theological differences and cultural differences, yeah. right? Like you had, even in the first century, when, uh, of course, it was a given that you're still Jewish as a believer in Jesus, you still had some people living in the diaspora, right? Some people living in Greece, some people staying in Jerusalem, where there was a temple until 70 AD where they could still go and worship as believers, Other living out, others living outside Israel where they had different customs and cultural practices. And you see some heated disputes in the book of Acts, and Paul refers to some heated disputes among the churches and even within uh, these bodies of believers uh, throughout the first century. Why? because that's the nature of humanity. But yeah. again, the unifying factor is what's important, that faith. So for those listening, Ezra, who, you know, maybe they don't have a lot of context for Messianic Judaism, right. they're just Christians in the church, why do you think it's important for them to understand more about Messianic Jews and making Messianic Judaism less messy? Yeah, well, I, I think, first of all, it's it's the root of the olive tree, right? It's, it's uh, I, I would say... Let me zoom out for a minute before we even talk about Messianic Judaism and how the how I want to encourage our listeners to kind of think again if they've if they've thought it's too messy to get involved in. I don't think 
we're entitled as believers, this is for Jew or Gentile, I think it applies to all of us, to write off a portion of what the scriptures call the body, of which we're all a part, and what we understand Jesus sees as his bride, to write it off because it's too tricky to understand. Now, does that mean we all have to be best friends? No. But it's the whole, you know, can, can the hand say to the eye, I don't need you? Well, then you're going to be blind. So I think recognizing that while not a denomination of Christianity, the Messianic Jewish community is a part, whatever part you want to call us, an elbow, a heel, I don't know, you know, uh, some may have less flattering things to say, but whatever part, uh, we're, we're a part of the body. And so I would say, even though it's difficult to understand, appreciate that, that we make up a part of the body and that the body won't be complete without the Jewish believing remnant, the Messianic Jewish community, just as the body won't be complete without every Gentile believer who the Lord's called and redeemed to be a part of it as well. And the second thing I'll say, beyond the kind of the body imagery, uh, the body of Christ, the body of believers, is what Paul talks about. You know, we hit it so much, but I, this, this imagery, I think he's going after the question you're asking because the Roman church was asking it. What do the, what do the Jews have to do with us? You know, we're pretty good here with our thousands of believers coming to faith. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. Who are these Jewish believers kind of in synagogues around town or trying to worship with us but still keeping kosher or, you know, this headship in Jerusalem and why should I follow them or submit to them? And he's saying, don't forget that the faith you have is rooted in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God has made a way in Jesus for you to be grafted in, but understand the tree to which you're being grafted in too. And the fact that you want to make it an orange tree because you like oranges better doesn't change the reality that it's an olive tree and it's always going to be an olive tree. Mm -hmm. So I would say as, as messy as it is, for the sake of unity in the body and for the sake of understanding really where our faith in Jesus comes from, that it really truly is rooted in Israel, rooted in the story and the destiny and the promises made to the Jewish people. It's worth it to look again and to try to unmessify. Uh, it's not a word, but demessify, whatever, to try to uh, make less messy the messiness of, of the idea of a Jewish believer. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think sometimes we often have this like us versus them mentality. Right. You know, I'm I'm the Christian they're the Jews, but right. as you're saying, you know, even Messianic Jews, we all unite in the same belief in Jesus, just like other Christian denominations, we all unite in that, and they're part of the church body, so we shouldn't, it shouldn't feel like, you know, they have their own separate thing going on over there, and we're over here, yeah. but to understand, come together as one part, or, you know, one body of the church. Right, and I would challenge our Jewish audience listening, you know, Carly, people write in and we know that there's Jewish men and women, a lot of Jewish young men and women kind of processing, hey, I have a lot of Christian friends, maybe one of my parents is Christian, I identify with Jewish, I don't, you know, as a Jewish person, I don't know what to do with all of this. Mm -hmm. I would challenge you, if you've heard and believed that you can't be Jewish and believe in Jesus, look at that for yourself. Don't take somebody else's word for it, because if he's really the Messiah, then perhaps who you believe him to be is one of the most important decisions you're ever going to make in your life, and nobody can answer that question for you, and don't let anybody paint with a broad brush and tell you you can't be this and that. So that's my challenge is kind of look again, look again. If he's really who he says he is, then what does that mean for you as a Jewish man or woman? Yeah. I think this is a great episode that really talks about, you know, Messianic Judaism and Gentile believers, which right. is the whole point of what we're talking about. This is actually the last episode of season two of this podcast. Right. 
Um, you know, we've talked about such a variety of things. Um, we will have a season three. Um, you know, for those listening, if you want to ask us more questions of, of things that you've heard this season, mm-hmm. um, do that on our website, ajewandagentiledisgust.org. We, we want to engage with you. We want to have those conversations. We want to help bring clarity totally. to these topics. People, Carly, we've chosen episode topics just based on people writing questions. And right. we go, wow, that's a great question. I never thought of uh, unpacking that. So uh, write, send your questions. It might become an episode in season three. Yep. Yep. Stay tuned. Continue watching. If you haven't listened to previous episodes, please go back and do that. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, we have a chance for you to win our Lost Tribes coffee for free. You can do that by texting JG to 474747 or go to our website, Uh You can find these podcast episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can watch us on YouTube, leave us a review. Follow us on social media. Just continue engaging with us. We won't just go off the map for the, you know, however long until season three. We'll still be on there engaging. Right. Um, submit your questions, anything um, you're still wondering about. And uh, thanks so much for tuning in this season, whether you watched us on YouTube or listened uh, through the audio podcast. And uh, we'll see you in the next season. This show is a production of Jewish Voice Ministries International. 